Good morning. This is Evelyn Davison in Love Talk in the beautiful studio here at KLGO.net, uh, streaming live and, uh, at 1490 AM. And Juan, you and I are it today. Uh, yes, ma'am. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, Cindy and Kathy are over to Encounter. They're, uh, doing a big conference today. And so you and I are going to be hosting and uh, talking to some really wonderful people today. It's my good friend, JJ Stout and Jonathan um, Hurst, who is an author of a new book that I'm just really fascinated with. But you know, this is a really exciting week. Uh, one is the Holy Week, we call it. It's, it's from Sunday to Sunday and exciting things are happening in our city. But they also happened in the time and the reference that we'll be talking about today. Yes, so uh, when we think about uh, Palm Sunday, and that's what tomorrow is, uh, it, it was really a day of celebration. Yes, and ma'am. people everywhere came to the city. What did they come for, Juan? Well, they came to, to welcome their, their king. Their king. Their king. What were their expectations for him? Well, from when I grew up, uh, you know, in, in church, Learning, uh, largely we're expecting, um, more of a, if I may, uh, uh, military political leader. leader. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Political, military type, mm-hmm. um, to, because of the Roman oppression that was going right. on. Right. So, um, that's what they were, uh, expecting the Messiah t- to come in the form of. Well, they wanted someone to change their government prim- primarily and make it easier for them to do the things they wanted to do. It's kind of like we are in America today. Is that right? That is correct, man. Right. Mm-hmm. But what did Jesus come for? He came to change hearts instead of changing the government and changing law. So today we're going to be talking about law and love, and we're going to do that with uh, Judge Edna Stout. Good morning, Judge. Good morning, Evelyn. So good to be here. Well, thank you for coming. You and I have been friends a long time, We have. We? we have a long time, and it's been a wonderful journey with you. Well, thank you. I love our prayer time that we've had for years, and um, the last few months we've not been able to do that, but... Uh, tell me what we've done in that area, in the area of prayer, in your courtroom. Well, we've been praying in my courtroom on a regular basis for our community, for our state, for our nation, and for the leaders in that particular area. Because, you know, God has admonished us to pray for those who have authority over mm-hmm. us. And by praying for our leaders, it results in, you know, covering of God. And it has been a great way to see people respond. And the area uh, does respond. We've seen uh, a crisis pregnancy center come into to being birthed in our area because of that. We've seen a great influx of some people who have been reached by the Lord uh-huh. because of the number of people that have come in. It's been a great thing, and it's been a great time for you and, and several of the others that have been together and sharing God's Word and just, just making Jesus a light in our community, which is what we want to do. The, the Texas Alliance of Life now is bringing in the prayer walk on May the 11th, uh-huh. and it is just a great way to see the whole area again encompassing and, and celebrating the love of Jesus. Well, you are judging Williamson County. Yes. How did you choose law in your life? How did you get into law? Well, it's uh, I didn't choose law. God chose me. Uh, I I was um, it wasn't an actual choice that I make until the Lord just showed me this is the path you walk, and by doing so, um, I found myself running for office that I never expected to do. 
Um, and so I chose the area. I, I, I followed what God chose for me. Mm-hmm. And by so doing, then I was able to take his, what he has taught me as far as the law and try to work it with others. The law of accountability, the law of, of compassion and love and, and respect and providing for others. And so that's what he's done for me through the law. And really, Evelyn, I, it's a matter of matter. We do choose. We do mm-hmm. choose what we do. And God gave me that choice. And it was a scary choice at first. I never thought I would do that. But I said, Lord, I'll follow you. So that's what I did. And I did choose law. Because How long has it, that been now, Edna? 19 years. 19 I've been years. on the bench 19 years. And God's law is what we should follow. And mm-hmm. it has been a really easy transition to take the pas- the passage that my friend dear Lance gave to me years ago in Ezra 725 that said we are to teach others the law mm-hmm. and hold them accountable to that. And that as a magistrate is what we were to do. And well, that is exciting. so true. And, you know, it is, it, it's a wonderful life. As you know that the Lord brought you yes. to the point where he can place you it is. in a place that where you can make a difference in the lives of people. And I know you do that. And I want to thank you for doing that. Yeah, we do blessing. have a guest with us today. You're yes. serving as my co-host today with Cindy Al. And I want you to introduce uh, Jonathan Hurst to us. Oh, I would be love to. Uh, Jonathan Hurst is a dear friend of mine. I've known him since he was a child. Actually, I'm going to talk about how old I am <laughs> and how young he is. But I have known him and his entire family for many years. And you know what God brings? Um, he, he's our sustainer in life. But God brings uh, people into our lives that encourage us, that admo- that admonish us, that uh, praise us, that help us to realize how special we are in God's eyes. And Jonathan has been one of those to always be an encourager and a supporter and a complimenter. And I always know that I'm going to get a smile out of him and a hug. And Jonathan is a man who is always sought after what God wanted him to do. I've known him to go through some really hard trials in his life, but he's come out on the other side like we all do. Uh, you know, iron sharpens iron, and the Lord mm-hmm. has continued to sharpen uh, Jonathan and his circumstances and, and also mine. And so I'm really excited to introduce Jonathan Hurst today. He's written a book, uh, God Loves a Level of Buy, and I think he's sharing his heart and I'm excited uh, to be here with him today. And, and God bless you, Jonathan. It's all, always good to see you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank oh, welcome. You so we are I, so thrilled you're here. I appreciate that. It's an we, honor to be here with you guys. Well, so. it's an honor to have you. And, you know, when you look at uh, at your life, look back at it, mm-hmm. Edna, like you and I can do, because uh, I was 82 years old last week. And oh, I'm getting, happy can you believe that? <laughs> I, you mean 82 years young? Oh, yeah. I, I'm just waiting for my boarding pass. I'm ready. Ready to fly away, as my grandmother used to say. But uh, when you do reach the maturity that we've reached, uh, it is wonderful to be able to look back in your life and see how God takes people that you love and begins to bend them and and, uh, sometimes break them to make them into an example of who Jesus Christ was. And and I know I've known you a long time, and I've known your mom and dad, Mary and Lance Hurst, and uh, uh, your brother, uh, Lance, he used to work for our company. And so we've had some connections through the years. So I am really thrilled to have you here with us today. Well, thank you very, very much. It's an honor. Tell me, um, first of all, about your family. You have one son. I've got uh, uh, a wonderful Six-year-old son, uh, Harrison, and uh, uh, I'm beginning to show my age a little bit day by day with him, but he certainly keeps me on my on my toes. And you know, I'm a, a police officer, but but uh, as tough as that job is sometimes, being with my my son is is as wild and 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 crazy and loving as he is. He mm-hmm. certainly 
uh, matches my police work. So. Uh, I, bet you, well, I hope you're listening to that one. <laughs> one was our engineer was up most of the night with a newborn baby. Well, how old is your baby now? Uh, Jude is approaching 10 months. 10 months. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, that's when they come alive. Ten months, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, how about you, Jonathan? How did you choose to make your field of, of service uh, and work uh, the law? Well, in law enforcement, uh, you know, growing up as a kid, I had always wanted to do some form of service. And being a police officer uh, was always something that stuck out in my mind. I was drawn to and it wasn't really until 9-11 occurred. Uh, it was right 9/11. after 9-11. Okay. Uh, it, matter of fact, 9-11 obviously happened in September. In November, I was in the police academy, the Austin Police Department Academy, where I uh, went through their academy, was with the APD for about almost six years. And uh, that's how I, how I got my start. Lord really said, uh, grabbed hold of me and said, this is where you need to be right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to get out there on the streets and, and, and serve the community. Uh, love with all your heart and and help people, and this is where I can use you right now. How important is the law in the society in which we live today? You know, we talk a lot about love on on love talk, and love is is preeminent. You know, Jesus came to feel, fulfill the law. I mean, He is the He set before us the royal law of love, which says, you know, you're to love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and and that's the big and. Love others the same way you love your own life. Uh, talk to me a little bit about how law in your life is uh, is lived out in that re- in that regard. Well, the law number one is biblical. Uh, God has mandated that uh, first and foremost. That's that's very clearly defined in in the Bible. In in my life, uh, it has certainly given me structure and discipline. Um, I can tell you that going through what I have gone through these last 11 years, um, it is a continual learning process. It is not a destination. It is a journey. And as you uh, mature, as you said a few moments ago, <laughs> you begin to... I call it season. Season, there you go. Yes. You, you, you realize and understand just how small you are mm-hmm. to the largeness of God and where you are placed... Uh, in this earth to do what God has for you many times as opposed to what you have for you, I think is an awesome thing to realize, to grasp, to understand. And so coming through this journey and experiencing uh, law and mixing that with my own dose of compassion and encouragement, mm. because I really, really strive to do that on a daily basis, it's it's something to behold. Well, uh, when we look at our lives, uh, Jonathan, it's sometimes hard to, uh, and look at the culture in which we live today, to honor those that serve us in the law enforcement. It's not so hard locally, I think, as it is nationally when we look at the leaders we have today. Uh, and we're going to be talking today, uh, we're going to take our break in just a second, about what it is that this time in life can mean to us as we live out what we call the yes life. Yes, life. Let's do that right after we take our break. Stay with us. We'll be back for Love Talk right after this.
Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in the studio today, and we're talking about how it is that we in our world uh, today look toward uh, the future sometimes and want to plan it for ourselves and uh, choose the leadership that we have and, and maybe be like the Hebrew children, want to get way rid of the enemies, and which were the Romans for them. Uh, in the studio with us is Judge Edna Stout, who is a judge in William, Williamson County, and Jonathan Hurst, who is the author of a new book, God Loves a Lullaby, and he is also in law enforcement. And we're talking, um, we're talking, Jonathan, about how it is that law is an important part of our life, but also love is. And we, we do know that Jesus says there's a new law that I have given you, and that is you love one another as I have loved you. And sometimes it's hard when we see a leadership that is not going in a godly way to honor those that are in leadership. But one of the things I want to say to you today and to Judge Edna, I am so pleased that we live in not only a, a state uh, where we have a governor that really does believe in life and the things we believe in, but we live in a community that it has many of the same um, motives for living that we have and, you know, and those same dreams and, uh, this is a special time. This week is called Holy Week, and uh, tomorrow is Palm Sunday. And we, Juan and I talked a little bit about how that celebration was uh, to honor and to set up a new king or a new leader, and um, it turned it turned cold really fast. By the time Tuesday came, people realized that they were not getting a political change. Because actually Jesus came to change hearts and not change law or governments. And only governments are changed how, uh, Judge Edna, they're changed by people who do know the law of God. That's right. They change by, and we have a wonderful system where laws are changed by the people themselves who vote, who are represented by the people that voted them into office, which is so important because if we want godly values into our government, then we have to put people into those positions that will carry forth those godly values. The law is a school teacher. You know, our laws were created based upon the the truths of God, that murder is wrong, mm-hmm. that stealing is wrong, that treating your neighbor in line is wrong. Those are all biblical principles, and that's how we got the foundation. All governments are moral. They're strictly moral. They are based on a set of morals by someone's code and our set of morals come from the code of the bible that's where they come from that's what makes america so great i know and that (laughs) makes us so comfortable when we have leaders like you and uh because we know how important that is for daily living and not just for daily living but for a life that he has chosen for us to live out in a world that's seeking to know the answers yes and that's why easter is so important you know one of the things that the 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 first century Christians did was as they lived from, from Sunday to the next Sunday, their world came crashing down mm-hmm. because even the Christians, those Jesus followers were confused and disappointed and they didn't understand the plan that God had, that the plan was a changed plan and that they'd no longer have to go to the, to the synagogue, to the Holy of Holies to have their sins paid for that by the shedding of blood in Jesus's righteousness that those things would be taken care of. And so the, our Easter is a lot different from their Easter. They went in from Sunday to the next Friday 
just with heavy hearts thinking, you know, what is going on in our world today? And sometimes we have those same feelings when we see exactly. the laws of our land that are not operating, especially in the area of life for children Very or true. life for the unborn, as you are, mm-hmm. work so much with, Chuck. Well, what, what was Easter like for you uh, as a child, Jonathan? Easter. What was it? You know, how did, how did that week of Holy Week play out in your life? You know, Easter to me was also always a, uh, a special time. My mom and dad um, always celebrated that with me and my, my brothers and my, my sister. Um, you know, we would always make sure and, and attend church, uh, mm-hmm. spend time immersing ourselves in the in the word and, and, and trying his best to fully realize and understand uh, that there is a risen Savior. Yeah. And that, uh, he is risen. you know, Christ was in the grave, but he didn't stay there long. No. Uh, there were larger plans in place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Easter was always a very special, special time for me in, in our traditions. And as we raise our son now. Yeah. That's it is for your son. What about you, Judge Edna? Oh, I was raising a very traditional go to church on Sundays and get a new dress and, and have an Easter basket and do all those great things of Easter and, and all the things that you see. But it didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. I was just one of those rebellious children that did all those things. And then somewhere along my life, I finally came to, uh, to the real realization of who Jesus was. And now Easter is a special occasion. I understand mm-hmm. his sacrifice, what he did for me. And it has a whole different flair. And, and you take all of those things that you had as a child as the eggs and the, and the dress and the Sunday services and you tie them into how special that is because of our special Lord. So it, it it was the usual traditional thing for me. Well, mine was different. I did not grow up in a Christian family, and uh, Easter uh, was always a fun day to play, and I got new patent leather shoes and mm-hmm. uh, a new dress and a hat. We always wore hats oh, in those I love days. Hats, Bonnie, uh, well, my, you know, little little flurry <laughs> hat. Um, but, you know, when it came to, to um, the time when we really did uh, – make a change in our life in regard to uh, coming to know that Jesus is the Savior and he came to pay the price of everything that was wrong in my life. And mm-hmm. and um, it made a major difference in my life. I, mm-hmm. It just totally, completely, as a teenager, just turned me upside down. And it was at that time that I began to really realize that he had a call on my life. And that I needed to be a representative ambassador for him. But, you know, the world looks at Easter so differently today. I know that this past week uh, our president has been in Israel uh, with uh, uh, Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu or whatever his name is. And the world is looking at Israel today, and it has an important part. But when we come back to the really reality of what Easter is, it's what you said, Jonathan. It is the day that Jesus claimed victory. It is the day that he conquered death to the extent that we could have eternal life. Well, you know, I, I think of uh, Newsboys, one of their latest songs, God's Not Dead. He's surely alive, uh, roaring like a lion. And, and that is absolutely true. Uh, he, he is a risen Savior and, and more alive than, than ever before. Well, you know, the day that uh, he wore our crown, the day that he was on the cross that Friday, the Good Friday we call it, uh, there were some decisions that had to be made that day. Uh, there were two witnesses besides all of the, the uh, audience that stood there on that mountain, on that hill. Mm-hmm. And Jesus did something very unusual. He offered an invitation. Mm-hmm. He said to them, 
you know, I am who I've said I am. And, and from John seventeen twenty three, he said, I and my father are one. Mm-hmm. I and my father are one. And he said, just as I and my father are one, you and I can be one. And he offered that to the two thieves that were there with him on, the, on separate crosses. One of them said yes. One of them said yes. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me. And the other one said, no, if you are really who you say you are, what would you do? You'd come down off that cross mm-hmm. and take over the government. You would take charge. You'd be a warrior. You'd be a, a, a Messiah. But Jesus said something very important that day as he completed the sacrifice that he made for your sin and my sin. He said, it is finished. He was talking about his love plan. Now, when we talk today about life, we look at it from the perspective that Jesus' plan is finished. And we have to come to know what that plan is to be able to live a life that would bring joy and 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 fruit to the lives of our children and to the people that we serve. And so as we go into the Easter life, you know, we, we are looking at we've got to say yes. But there's some things we're gonna, we have to say no to. Sure, absolutely. And when we come back, uh, Jonathan, we're gonna talk about God loves a lullaby and talk about some of those things in our life that we have to deal with on a daily basis or yearly basis. It is time for us to take our break. Let's do that one and we'll be back with Love Talk with Judge Edna Stout and Jonathan Hurst right after this. Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in studio today. Cindy and uh, Kathy are over at Encounter, which is a big, big conference here in the city today. And we're getting ready for National Day of Prayer and Global Day of Prayer. And uh, they are doing seminars over there today. So, one, you and I are the Lone Ranger today. But we are have we're in good company today because we have got Judge Edna Stout and our friend uh, Jonathan Hurst. And we've been talking about living the yes life. How did you come to a point in your life where you say, yes, Jesus, I believe you are who you are, and I want to celebrate my life with your life. And that's what Easter's about. That's what, you know, one of the things that was so fascinating, uh, Josephus, the, the historian, uh, people are always trying to find something wrong with the way we celebrate different seasons. And uh, a lot of people uh, say that Easter comes from a pagan holiday. But if you go to Jerusalem, and you stand on the Mount of Olives and look down over that Hedron Valley and look up at the old city and the wall. Uh, there is a gate there that's closed. But as you look down, and we've stood there, it's right down from the Mount of Olives from the garden where Jesus was. And as you look at that, it is plastered with white crosses. And that at the time Jesus walked was the garbage heap. That end on round on the other side. But because the people believed Jesus, when he said, I will come again, and the Old Testament prophecy said he'd come from the east, mm-hmm. they believed that he would come through the eastern gate. And so as they died, I mean, as they 
you know, as they lived their life believing he was coming again, they had their funerals on that garbage hump on that side of the mountain uh, because they wanted to be the first ones to see him. Now, if I were going to choose a place to be buried today, I want to go to Liberty Hill. But, you know, it is interesting that that's Eastern does mean something, and it meant it a lot to them. But as we are living our lives today, Jonathan, uh, we live in a different world. It is a digital world. Like we are, people are listening to us all over the world today. Right. That blows my mind. It literally, uh, just, it's hard for me to put a handle on that. And yet, that's what God said would happen. The word said that. But you know, we are living in a time right now when we need leaders like you, men of God who are in places of service, who are working to help people come to know the reality of what real life is. And so you've written this wonderful book, God Loves a Lullaby. How did you choose that title? Well, you know, in, in 2000 and in 10, 2011, um, God was bringing me to a point in my life where I really need to, uh, needed to listen to what He was trying to minister to my, my heart. And, um, as I was wandering, so to speak, um, I had already been working on a book, uh, and, and the Lord took me in a different direction. And, I began to to realize and understand that communication with God is so so incredibly vital. You know, God cares about our longings, our desires, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. sufferings, and many times we get so caught up as believers, many times as non-believers in in the box, and that is a certain way we're supposed to cry out to God, a certain way we're supposed to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh have we committed a certain sin lately? Uh, you know, many religions believe and teach, if you don't fit into our box, God's not gonna hear you, you know? Right. Uh, conformity. And, in my opinion, that's not what, what living the Christian life is about. Uh, and so I put this book together, uh, as a way, as a vessel, so to speak, to encourage other people, to give them hope, to simply say, you know what? Whatever your crying is, your shame, your guilt, mm-hmm. whatever, Pour them out to God. That's all he longs for is to desire to hear them and to minister to your heart. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or an unbeliever. God long, God created you. Mm-hmm. He wants and desires to, to help you, to heal you, the hurts in your life. And, and God knows we, we all have them. We've all been, been, been through trials, tested by fire, and, and he wants us to bring those and lay them at his feet so that he can help us. Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, is so, um, poignant about your book is the simplicity and that's what Cindy and I've been dealing talking about and teaching uh, the last few months is to simplify the things in life that will keep you connected in a way that you'll have the power to be who it is God wants you to be and all of us have those uh, things in our life that we carry with us like baggage on our back No, uh, Psalm 23 ends with uh, a very strong promise. And it says this, Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For years, I always just dwelt on the dwelt. Sure. You know, that was my goal. You know, I'm going to get through this. 
And I always thought, goodness, was chasing me down the highway of life. <laughs> It'd catch me one day. Uh, because you measure yourself by your failures a lot, right? Instead of what it is that God has accomplished in your exactly. life. So your book is so simple in helping one do that. Uh, it, you, you really do it in your title, uh, but mostly in the purpose of helping people dig in. I think dig in to what it is that may be that burden they have on their back or that restriction they have in their heart. And so I want us to talk about those a little bit. You, you do, it's a very simple, um, format that you have. First of all is what, what are, what are your cries? What are the cries of your heart? And the thing is, what does God hear when you cry out? And this, this is the thing that the power is in. In this book, Jonathan, I don't know. Anyone's told you that. And then what does God say about that? Those are three questions. If we would ask about everything that is heavy, making us heavy hearted, that help us resolve that issue of being free to be who it is that Christ is. Sure. And we've talked about in, in our Yes Life series, we've talked about fear and we've talked about guilt. And so I want us to talk about some of those that you've written about today. Let's start with hopelessness. What is hopelessness? Well, where do I turn to next, God? Yeah. Are you real? Are you real? Is, like is, the is, guy on the cross. If is, you are real, you'd be doing this. Is there a God? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that, you know, listening to you talk about the the two gentlemen on, on, on God's right and left hand and how the mm-hmm. one, he didn't say any elaborate prayer, did he? Mm-mm. He said, remember me. He gave it. Yeah. He said, remember think me. Think about it. And Christ said, he knew the intent of his heart, and that's what matters, is the intent. God said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And uh, I wrote this book as simple as possible. Number one, because I'm not the smartest person. Yeah, yeah, you and, got, you, and, and, don't and, say that now. And, and number two, because I think people get so caught up on on being so rigid and traditional, right. and, and they don't realize that God doesn't require those things in order to talk with him, in it's, order to pour your heart out to him. He doesn't require mm-hmm. that you dress in a suit and tie to go to church on Sunday mornings, that you, you know, that you do all of these different things. There's nothing wrong with doing those. But when we get caught up on those barriers in our life, it's just so more, it's just so important to realize, God, I, I, I have a, a gate, an open gateway to you at any time. Yeah. You know, I want to interject it, that when, when in the courtroom, hopelessness is, you know, evidenced by, I don't have any value. There's nothing in the future for me. Everything seems futile. You know, why I don't really matter to anybody. And hopelessness means like that there's nothing there for me. And in your book, what would God hear at that, at that expression of hopelessness? What, what would you hear? Well, as I don't, as I've read it, you yeah, tell me. Yeah. Know, I mean, what uh, God here? with, 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 with hopelessness, my, I imagine God, God simply hearing, you know what? I know what you're feeling right now because I have been there. Yes. I have hung on the cross. Mm-hmm. I have had nails pierce my flesh and I know what it, what, what mm-hmm. it, what it, what it feels like to be a man in the flesh. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know what? Yeah. When I said those words, it is finished. I knew what the end result was. He said, I have not left you to wander in the darkness. I'm here waiting. To receive you, 
Let my peace go down deep into the heartbreak of your soul so that you may truly know there is hope for you through me. That's the secret about your book is the answer you present is always through me. And, you know, that's the difference between love and law. You know, law is important. It gives us structure. Uh, but when we set a law between us and God as to how we expect him to mm-hmm. be respond to us that's we're setting uh, a paradigm for him to to react in a way that we determine he should act within when that doesn't happen that puts us in that pit of hopelessness right and it's because we've been taught by the law that you do it this way and if we're taught that way as a child then we repeat it over and over and over and he does sometimes leave these things in our lives Jonathan, to break that law that we have set before our own lives. Do you agree? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about uh, desperation. You know, what does God hear when we cry out in desperation? Well, I, I, I think when, when, when we cry out to God in desperation, I think God hears, uh, you know what, you're at a point in your life right now where all you can do is look up. You've got nowhere else to go. You've got nowhere else to turn. But you know what? I don't have closed arms. My arms are wide open. And uh, if you'll just take two steps toward me, you know what? I never left you. You know, I, I never left you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, you know, I'm thought, I, what comes to me is that a book written years ago in the 70s, I believe, that said, I've been down so long, it looks like up. Oh, yeah. You remember that? <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> and that's where you are when you're at the bottom of the pit mm-hmm. and you finally realize that all your efforts are futile, and there's nothing more that you can do to change your life yourself, and you have to look up and say, Lord, I'm yours. Yeah. You know, I think that's where Joseph was when the the brothers, you know, sold him and they put him in the pit. Uh, He didn't let the pit consume him. Right. And we all have this. Those are desperation. That That is depression at the height. Or sometimes it's anger. You know, it's it's when we are so mad at God that we're desperate to get away from him as well as when we are so hungry and thirsty for God that we're desperate to find him wherever he is. I think I think many times in a person's life they don't actually realize and know and understand how uh, void they are of Christ in their lives because they've, they've gotten so uh, caught up in a battle of spiritual warfare or, or consumed by the things of this of this life and they've been blinded and it's only when they've been brought to a point of brokenness, of desperation, of hopelessness, that they realize, you know what, uh, I have finally been set free. Mm-hmm. And, and by God's grace and mercy, I can now live much more of a free life from, from this bondage. So, Well, you know, when you look at uh, the times in our life when we are in bondage to those things, Jesus said, I have come to set you free. And that freedom only comes by by two different ways. Number one is by the word of God. And secondly, by the heart of God. I mean, as we, our heart is connected to his heart. And it, we do that through prayer. We do that through connection. Uh, if, if we are not talking to him and crying out, and that's part of, of what you say here. What are you crying? God's saying, what is your cry today? You know, what has broken your heart today? He listens. If we take it to him. And so that's an important mm-hmm. step in any aspect of our life. And if we don't do that, if we just say, oh, you know, just he's, he's, 
he's never going to heal me or he's never going to do this, then we are speaking for God in a way that prevents him from really beginning to minister the mercy and the goodness and the kindness to it. So it is time for us to take our break. Let's do that, Juan. And we come back. Uh, We're going to talk about shame. How does shame put you in bondage? Right after this, stay with us. Welcome back to Love Talk. We are in studio today. Cindy and Kathy are out at uh, Encounter. And one, you and I are carrying the ship today. And it's it's been exciting as we uh, know that tomorrow is a great day in this city. It'll be Palm Sunday. Uh, many really special uh, events are happening. and But we're excited about what's going on in our studio today as we have Judge Edna Stout with us and Jonathan Hurst, who is a police officer uh, for Williamson County. We're talking about Jonathan's new book, uh, God Loves a Lullaby. He loves to sing us to sleep at night. He loves to wrap us in his arms. And as, as we just end the day with him, uh, he does sing over us. You know, he says in Psalms, he's going to give us a new song. You know, as our life begins to change, as we come to know him personally and begin to live, uh, within that royal law of love that we talked about, it will love him and that he'll begin to put together all these things in our lives that will help us be an ambassador for him and a representative for him. But you know, we, it's a journey, uh, Jonathan, you talk about that in your book. It is a journey. I want us to talk a little bit about shame. You know, when we cry out against God or, you know, to God about shame, what is it God hears when I, we do that? I think that when, when you're crying out to, to Christ in, in your shame, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. uh, Christ says two words, no more. No and more. No more. You know, I, I titled the, the chapter hemorrhage because it, it, it's like a constant bleeding. It doesn't stop. It right. can be internal. It can be external. But but there's a hemorrhage. And just as a, a physical hemorrhage that someone may experience, it can be a hemorrhage of the heart mm-hmm. uh, leading to all kinds of negative emotions. Mm-hmm. And and we, we live in a time where... Uh, you know, we're talking more and more about forgiveness, which is so incredibly important. But to being able, but being able to truly release it, to let go mm-hmm. of the things in our life, whatever we've done, whatever has caused that shame. And, and so, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, it's, it's probably not too popular with many people, probably not their favorite, but one of my favorite verses is found in Psalm 91, and it simply says, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. Uh, yes. We have already been given victory, okay? Uh, once, once you've asked for forgiveness, once you have, have brought that to, to Christ's feet, you have been, you, there's no reason to hold on to that shame. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I want to live my life and raise my son in such a way that there, there is no shortage of fear in this life, okay? No shortage of, you of face everything it every day. Ne- negative. Yeah. We, we got my son his first, so to speak, big boy Bible that we're going to give to him on Easter. Oh, and all, under his name that we had imprinted, I had 
four words imprinted on the front of that Bible, and it says brave-hearted dragon slayer because that's how I want to raise him. I want to raise him to be fearless, faithful, and loving and, and to know that he can bring anything and everything, lay them at Christ's feet, and that God wants desperately to take care of him, no matter what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone needs to know that, that the shame that and the regret that we carry as this big monkey, this big satchel on our back, it can all be set free very easily, very easily. Well, it is a thing that we all live with because none of us are perfect. I tell Van that all the time when I don't lock the front door. He he grew up where they locked their doors. We grew up and cut and shoot Texas. You never the only thing you had to watch out for were those eighteen hundred boar hogs that were running around. Uh, but uh, Judge had not, you deal a lot with shame as people come into your courtroom, and, and especially in this life, in this ministry of of new life and pro-life that you do. What do you see happening to people that are just uh, shackled with shame? Well, I wanted to, I looked up the definition here just to be clarity, to clarify, because mm-hmm. in our world today, we redefine words. And, and, and when we were accused of shame-based arguments during the pro-life movement with the people that wanted us to, to uh, not to take, come off of our stand, a painful emotion caused by a consciousness of guilt. And, you know, that's where you have to be. A consciousness of guilt is where you have to come before you can accept Jesus. You have to realize that you need a Savior and that Jesus is your Lord and that he is the one who's going to save you. So it's the shame in our lives that bring you there. And people have shame over their children. They have shame over their relationships. They have shame over uh, their their grades at school, their relationships with their friends. Uh, and the courtroom is, you know, one of the reasons I've created some of the, pro- the programs I have is because of all the different programs problems that people come across and a lot of them is that guilt over relationship a divorce a death uh there's a lot of that out there but that is god's like jonathan has pointed out in his book that is where god says you bring your shame to me and that's saying you need me you know because you you when you go to the lord and you cry out to him because i'm guilty i've done this i'm sorry lord forgive me he hears my child recognizes that i will forgive my child recognizes that i am all encompassing and there's nothing that i can't do and so when we cry out all the hopelessness and the desperation and the shame to god that's where in jonathan's book he's pointing out god hears uh, you're my child I love you, and I'm going to provide for you the needs that you have. And it's not like they wanted in in the biblical days when Jesus was crucified, and and they wanted him to be a king of the world. Mm-hmm. God wants to be king of our hearts, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's where the difference is. And that's what's the beauty of the resurrection is God has rebirthed us, where we have a life within us that the world doesn't understand because it's a spiritual world. Well, it is, and the thing is, is when we cry out, even in the bitterness of the shame. Or the disappointment in God, mm-hmm. then He knows their heart. Mm-hmm. He knows what He wants to do with their hurts. Yeah. He knows how He wants to build our faith so that we grow up and be uh, be ambassadors for Him. Um, it is important that we cry out to God. Talk a little bit about how important prayer is in your life. Well, Jonathan, how is it that you get up in the morning and know that you're going out there and you're not facing an enemy that that you can control? You're going out there in a world that is twirling with evil. How is it that you're able to do that every day? Well, let me let me correlate a little something different into the mix. One thing as a police officer is in in so to speak 
as the Bible says, putting on the full armor of God. Mm-hmm. I do and that. Ephesians 6, yeah. I, I, I do that. I put on a, a bulletproof vest. I put on my, my gun and my badge and every part of me that I use as a tool. And, and I relate that to the putting on the full armor of God. And I know that when I step into my, my patrol car and I go out there and I'm at someone's house at 5 a.m. in the morning with, with one intent, and that is to take them to jail because they have an arrest warrant, mm-hmm. things may not go the way that I want it to go. But I am protected regardless. And I have to have that fearless faith knowing that I'm doing everything in my power uh, uh, t- to do it right knowing that Christ is going to protect me. And I've been in, in some pretty hairy situations before, but you know what? I'm here talking with you today, and it's by the grace of God and his mercy that I was protected. Mm-hmm. What does God do in the area of protection when we come to him with the cries of our heart and uh, we are uh, we are shameful? I mean, we've done things that that we need to cry out about. How do you deal with that in your life? When you see people who have made those wrong choices, how are you able to share with them or to love them or to feel that need in their life to let them know that Jesus or that God loves them or that you are going to help them? Give us an example. I think first and foremost, because I'm a police officer, uh, because I've written a book, you know what? That doesn't make me any better than anybody else. If you cut open my skin, I, I bleed the same color red as you do, mm-hmm. as anybody else. I'm no better. I'm no different. I suffer the same emotions, the same hurts, the same cries. Uh, and so my heart is just driven to helping those who have experienced such hurt. I remember one of my first calls when I became a new officer having to go with another officer to someone's house to tell a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old that their father was just killed in a car accident mm-hmm. and how they were just playing video games there on the couch, living life carefree until I had to drop the bomb on them that they just lost their dad. And I remember them going to pieces, and I remember the, the hurt and the obvious anguish that they were immediately feeling. No way of processing any of that. You know, and all I could do was just was just pray. Mm-hmm. We just pray for them. Prayer is such a, a a valuable tool in our lives. It is a direct line of communication with the one who made us, mm-hmm. and and that's what what Christ longs to hear. Christ didn't give us any in the Bible, as far as I know. I don't think He said we have to do it only on Tuesdays at three a.m. in the morning, <laughs> wearing, wearing red socks or anything like that. <laughs> so God just wants us to do it. Well, uh, we certainly are thrilled that you've been with us today, Jonathan. Well, thank you so and, and much. And we are going to be praying for you. Tell our friends how they can get in touch with you. Well, I'm uh, on Facebook, Jonathan Hurst. Uh, Spell that for us. Uh, last name is Hurst, H-E-R-S-T, first name Jonathan, mm-hmm. J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. My my website, JonathanHurst.com, will go live here in just a couple of weeks. Okay. It'll have a lot more uh, resources and information on that. Uh, the book is available at Amazon.com, okay. and so, uh, but they can get get a hold of me on Facebook as well. Well, we appreciate you being here, and Judge Edna, we're so thankful you were here with us today. Oh, thank uh, you. How can we? How can we um, get in touch with you? I know that there are people out there that uh, 
uh, just sometimes need just a little bit of advice. When they cry out, God mm-hmm. says, call Judge Edna. <laughs> and they do. <laughs> oh, no, all they the do. Time. And I do my best to reach out to as many as I can all the time. I do have a webpage, too, and that's the best way because it has a, a contact uh, form for it. It's uh, ednastout.com, E-D-N-A. Mm-hmm. S-T-A-U-D-T, German spelling, com, And there is a compliment. I encourage, and there's a disclaimer on there, I can't talk to you about your case in court. Mm-hmm. I cannot do that. Call my office. My, my The clerks that work for me will be glad to help you. We answer our phones. You don't get a recording, so they'll be glad to talk to you about your case. But when it comes to life's issues and things, that's the best way to reach me is through my webpage, com, and I'll get an email and get back to you. Well, we thank you again for coming. You know, one of the things we always close with when we've had a discussion about using the yes life is to give people an opportunity to come to know the reality of the love of Mm -hmm. Jesus Mm -hmm. and what that blood sacrifice did when he went to Calvary uh, on that Friday uh, and how uh, important it was that Sunday, S-O-N-D-A-Y, uh, followed uh, the death on Friday because that's what life is for us as Christians. It's not just what we're doing right now. It's not what we're involved in. It's not what we've got to do or it's not what we've not done that we ought to be doing. But it is that Jesus Christ is a loving, caring Savior. He is Messiah. He came to release us, to set us free. And one of the things he said on the cross as he said goodbye to the life in the in the body that he had was it is finished he was not talking about his life he was talking about the plan of god that you can come to know the reality of his love and be a part of the family of god and so it is so simple to do that it's an abc thing first of all you acknowledge that you need him acknowledge that you're lost you acknowledge you can't live your life alone b is that you believe that jesus came you believe in Palm Sunday. You believe in, in Friday. You believe in Sunday when he was resurrected. And then C is that you confirm in your heart mm-hmm. that he is your Lord and your Savior. And as you do that, he sends a great gift into your life in that. He said, I will come and live my life in you and give you the power to be who I've designed you to be. If you're interested in doing that, we would ask you to give us a call on the Love Line. It's 249-6535. Or you can go to our website, which is www.lovetalknetwork.net. Thank you again for joining us today. You've been listening live to klgo.net, the Love Talk Network.